Oh, well, maybe. Oh, okay, now we're comes. good. They just, they, they just put the card in. That's all. The opening card. Okay. Okay, ready to get started. Is that what I do? <laughs> all right, here we go. Good morning. I call the San Francisco Department of Disability and Aging Services Commission meeting of Wednesday, September 6, 2023 to order. I am the commission president, Janet Spears. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to provisions of the Brown Act. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public Publish public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us on SFGov TV. The commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters that are presenting via WebEx are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of San Francisco's peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their tra traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded lost nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their tra tra traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatus Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first people. Secretary, please take the roll. Thank you, President Spears. Commissioners, please respond with present when I call your name. President Janet Y. Spears. Present. Vice President Nelson Lum. Present. Commissioner Sasha Bidner. Present. Commissioner Wanda Jung. Present. Commissioner Martha Knudsen. Present. Uh, Commissioner Barbara Sklar is excused today absence, and Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington is excused absence, and DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman. Present. Okay, President Spears, we have a quorum. Commissioners, the next item, item three is communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during, public, and during general public comment. Both Channel 78 and SFGov TV are streaming the numbers across the screen right now. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone call. Uh, during each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1-415-655-0001, access code 2662-951-3414, pound, and then pound again. When connected, you'll hear the meeting discussions, but you'll be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star 3 to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You'll have three minutes to speak. You will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left, and after the 30 seconds, you'll be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to ravi.derbige at sfgov.org. 
If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are there any, commu any other communications from DOS commission members? Nope. Okay. And we can move to the next item. Commissioners, your next item is agenda item four, approving the minutes of Wednesday, July 19th, 2023, <clears throat> DOS commission meeting. Are there any comments or questions from commission regarding the Wednesday, J July 19th, 2023, DOS commission minutes? No comment. Okay. And do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, no callers? Okay, thank you. Hearing, and, no, hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve the Wednesday, July 19th, 2023 DOS Commission Minutes? I move. I'll second. Okay, after a move in the second, Mr. Secretary, please take a roll vote to approve the Wednesday, July 19th, 2023 DOS Commission meeting minutes. President Janet and Spears, how do you vote? Uh, do I have to abstain because I wasn't here? Or do, can I vote? No, you can vote on that. Okay. Yep. Uh, yes. Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Uh, and Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Thanks. We have a unanimous vote. Awesome. Commissioners, item five is, is the executive director report. Thank you. Presented oh. by the DOS <laughs> executive director, <laughs> Kelly Dearman. Now you can go. Thank you. <laughs> um, good morning, everyone. Um, good morning, President Spears and all the commissioners. I'm really happy to be here. I just have a few um, comments to make with regard to my report. First, um, Everyone has seen the news and heard, but I'm just uh, not sounding the alarm, but cautioning everyone again around the budget that'll be coming up for next year. It is not looking fantastic. So what that is not even looking great. Um, but what that means for, for all of us is that we will um, hopefully continue to, well, I know we will continue to provide the services, the amazing services that staff provides each and every day and there might be some tightening of our belts. We don't know what it's gonna look like yet, but we do know that if we have grandiose ideas about new programming or new things that we wanna do, that's probably not gonna happen um, in the coming year. So now on to some good news. Um, uh, last week, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to, tend, to, be able to <coughs> attend the national Adult Protective Services Association conference, and um, it was in Boston, and I went with, um, I think we had mm -hmm. six people from APS who was there, led by um, our fearless leader, Achilles, and I will just say it was amazing to be amongst all of these APS workers, DOS staff in particular. Um, I'm reminded every day how hard they work, how flexible they are, how um, empathic they are. It was just, there were great uh, workshops. I did make sure uh, Achilles presented at one and uh, Phyllis Pettis also presented, so I made sure to attend those workshops. And I am just really heartened 
by the work we do here, how um, innovative we are, and I just appreciate all of you, and I just want to send a special shout out to the APS team who, um, who I got to know better, so thank you for that. Um, also, a few weeks ago, I was asked to attend a roundtable with Speaker Emeritus Pelosi, who I kept referring to as my forever speaker. Um, <laughs> and it was at the um, Dr. Davis Senior Center, and it was really addressing issues facing older adults, and it was, it was really wonderful. It was live streamed, and she had it on her X or however social media. She had it all over social media. And I'll just say that the, so here I am in Boston, walking around, not with the conference. Um, I was walking downtown going to get lunch and minding my own business. And this guy stops me and says, hey, um, don't you run something in San Francisco? And I'm like, <laughs> What? And first I said no because I don't know you and I don't want <laughs> I don't want you talking to me. And I was like, why? And he said, something to have to do with seniors. You were on a program with Nancy Pelosi. I'm like, what? And, and he said, yeah, I saw it. So anyway, I'm a celebrity now. <laughs> And I told my whole family that they had to treat me with that respect. So um, anyway, it's fantastic, the work we do. And it's being seen all over the country. So look out, people. Um, so that's all I have. I have another presentation later. But that's all I have for right now. Well, that's an awesome presentation. <laughs> OK, ready? Commissioners. Item six is the DOS employee recognition. Executive Director Dearman, President Spears, and the DOS Commission will honor Leslie Barry Irby, who is an ISS social worker. So, um, Leslie Barry Irby is an IHSS social worker who has been with DOS and in home supportive services since April 2007. For the past 16 years, Leslie's dedication and commitment to both her colleagues and clients has been a shining example and inspiration to us all. <laughs> Leslie's warmth, positive attitude, commitment, and drive are what makes her the go-to person in our program. Both clients and coworkers alike gravitate to Leslie as she treats everyone she encounters with a big smile, a warm wave, and a happy hello. Despite all of her daily duties and demands, Leslie always seems to find the time to give her clients and all of her DOS coworkers her undivided attention. Leslie has also been the go-to person because of her team-oriented approach, professionalism, and her passion to help every situation in any way possible. As new projects arise in the program and the need for staff feedback is critical towards developing and implementing change, Leslie is one of the first social workers that we reach out to. Her feedback is invaluable because of her insightfulness and ability to provide years of frontline experience that is both honest and constructive. Sometimes, due to the time-sensitive nature of projects, Leslie is approached without much notification or detail and without hesitation, she immediately agrees to take part and lend us her knowledge. For all the big and small things Leslie has done for our clients, 
coworkers, and the program in general, we here at DOS and IHSS are elated and extremely proud and grateful to honor Leslie Barry Irby with the DOS September Employee of the Month Award. Thank you again, Leslie, and congratulations on being the DOS September 2023 Employee of the Month. I am so honored. I, I'm just beside myself. I'm humble. I'm always humbled, okay? This is a great, great honor. I've been here 16 years, and no matter if I receive this honor or not, I will continue to be the person that I am. Toshio, thank you for making this happen. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone who has came today to see me receive my clock. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, commissioners. Commissioners, item six, item seven is the ad advisory council report presented by DOS Advisory Council President Diane Lawrence, who's joining us via WebEx. President Lawrence, can you hear us? President Lawrence, I can't see, I don't see you or we don't hear you right now as well. Can you hear Good us now? Morning. There you go, President Lawrence. We can hear you now. I couldn't unmute. I'm having problems with unmuting, and I can't figure out where my camera is this morning. That's <laughs> so <you'll> okay. Just, <laughs> you'll just have to listen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> or not. Um, so I combined, as you know from my report, uh, this report um, for the last two meetings, just to kind of um, just to bring things up to date. Um, it was really exciting in in July. We had absolutely everybody in attendance, and I can't tell you how emotional that was, especially since we have new members that we had not ever seen in person. We had only seen them on Zoom, so that was that was really exciting. Um, and then, um, it, it, excuse me, in July, um, we had an update on the um, isolation project um, that uh, by Deputy Director Kaufman. And again, I've detailed that in my report. Um, and then um, we've been discussing the Dignity Funds, uh, Dignity Fund Coalition's advocacy for the funding. As you all know, the Dignity Fund will not be getting its additional $3 million uh, this year. And so there's um, 
that's also a concern at, at the council, as I know it is with you. And the, um, in July, we were told that the LGBT uh, mental health program was close to starting. And in the, at the August meeting, we were told it has begun. And that means that um, we have clients who are receiving telehealth services from 15 therapists, fee-free and online, and it seems to be going well. Um, we also celebrated at our August meeting the department's winning of an, innovate, an U.S. Aging Innovation Award, and we actually got to see it and pass it around, so that was pretty exciting. Um, we're always excited when the department wins awards, which they frequently do, and that was for their culturally appropriate grocery program um, through Central Latino and Bayview Senior Services. Um, and as we all walked out, we walked past the area where all the awards are shown, and that was pretty impressive. Um, there were two site visits, the Curry Senior Center, um, and also uh, a revisit to the Russian Community Center. Um, Curry, I think this was one of the first times anyone's visited that in a very long time. Again, we're focusing just on those, right now on those um, sites where there has not been a visit uh, recently. And um, I think those are pretty well detailed, but the Curry uh, does do, um, they stayed open throughout the whole pandemic. So that is a little different than many others. They um, have a wonderful case manager to client ratio. And right now they are serving breakfast and lunch seven days a week uh, with about 150 to 200 um, clients to 250 clients per day. There are extensive site ser on-site services. Um, there are multiple buildings and there's a new one that probably has opened by now at Turk and Larkin, it's an old tire uh, sales office. And um, they also have a clinic and housing across three buildings. And the clinic grew out of the tuberculosis work that Dr. Francis Curry, who was the city's health director many, many years ago, um, and for whom the site is named. The Russian Community Center, two members went out and visited it and it's a small site in the um, inner Richmond um, off of Anza. I've driven by it quite a few times and it's really very tiny. Um, it's a pretty self-contained group uh, that knows what it wants and the services are driven by the clients. Um, they receive, uh, majority of their clients receive home delivered, those receiving nutrition services, the majority receive um, home delivered meals. There are about 30 uh, people that meet in person. There is uh, one social worker. Um, so the, um, most everything happens in Russian. And what the site, uh, what the two council members noticed in their discussions is that the director was not familiar with all the services that were available. So they tried to educate uh, on what was available to the clients. Um, there will be a Senior Power Wellness and Grandparents Day celebration out here in District 4. Um, and um, as many of you know, California Commission on Aging um, is meet, having their ball meeting here in San Francisco next Monday at uh, Open House. So those, that's our report.
Anybody have any questions? Yes, are there any questions from the com commission? Can you hear me? Are there any questions from the commissioners regarding the advisory council report? I just. Okay, Commissioner Lum. I mean, oh, sorry. Okay. Commissioner Jung. <laughs> like, I'm looking this way. <laughs> President Lawrence, thank you for the comprehensive report. I just really, I don't know why, um, but this one minor point kind of jumped out at me, and I just wanted to ask you to clarify. And that's uh, in your report uh, in terms of the Curry Center. Um, Excuse me, yes. Commissioner Jung. Can you speak just a little more to the, or move the mic a little, please? Thank Is that you. better? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Sorry. Uh, so, President Lawrence, uh, at the uh, Curry Senior Center, in, in terms of uh, the availability of meals, I noticed on point four, uh, it's noted that uh, when the LGBT men meet at the center, they get free lunch, but the women do not. This was something that the um, advisory council member thought was quite interesting. The men meet at lunchtime in their support group, and the women meet later in the afternoon. So um, I just threw it in as, uh, I mean, lunch is available. Okay. It's just the timing of the meeting is such that men meet at lunchtime and the women do not. Okay. It was just something that was kind of a point of interest. Okay. Right. And I think, I think uh, Alan Cooper, who did the uh, site, kind of, he brought it up. He was a little like, well, that's interesting. So. Okay. I just want to make it sure was that very thorough report. and their website was very, very well developed. Okay, that's good. To hear. Except for um, everything is in English. And so Alan and the director discussed the availability of other languages, which we've said before is is problematic with many of the sites. They're not always um, easy to they can be easy to navigate, but not necessarily in multiple languages. Mm. Okay, so I assume that they're t moving forward to take some steps to address this? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, we, we point that out quite frequently, both in the reports and to the um, directors when the council member meets with them. Okay, thank you. Uh, I have a, one question. Thank you for that one. That was one of my questions. On the <laughs> site visit for the uh, Russian Community Center, can you elaborate on number nine of what's what is planned regarding the lack of knowledge that's available regarding the services? I know that outreach is one of the, you know, focal points of what we seek to do here. And um, yeah. can you just elaborate a little bit on what the plan is there? I don't know if there is a plan right at the moment, Commissioners, uh, President Spears. I think part of the challenge is the community, as I said, it's a very tight-knit community. And in previous reports, Previous site visits over the years, that's something that's always been stressed by um, the council members that have visited. Um, I think that um, we can do a follow-up, you know, early next year if you would like. Um, it's making, I think it's beginning to make the clients aware. Don't know that any action plan was put in place, but I'll follow up with the two um, council members that um, responded you know, that went out to the site, but I know they were very, um, they wanted to make sure that the director knew about the wealth of services available in the city. Yes, okay, thank you. No problem. I guess I, guess I unless you're not finished. No, go ahead. Uh, on that point in particular, isn't there a staff member at DOS that's helps monitor, you know, for that center, or some, person in our system that could also follow up 
That's all I'm trying to yes. clarify. And, and usually after those site visits, there's a staff person that's, that's also made aware of yes. what, the, yes. what they've discovered. And so, yes. Okay, I thought so. Thank you. They, they actually um, are getting our reports and uh, Mike Zog has told us that they're finding the way we've added the information on the virtual sites has been very helpful to them. Yeah. Okay. So when I follow up with Chris and Ava, I'll also follow up with Mike. Yeah. Great. Thank you. All right. No other questions? Commissioners, item eight is the joint legislative slash TAC report, also presented by Advisory Council President Diane Lawrence. Okay. I had to finish my note. So again, I've put two reports together. I'm not gonna go into all the details of the plan, the proposed plan for the um, changes to the joint ledge uh, committee. What I did want, um, what we have discussed just to level set, is back in June, the question of what was the purpose of the joint legislative committee uh, and what do we do, you know, what should we be doing? So we did some research and we've had two discussions now. We had a lively discussion both, excuse me, August 16th, both at the advisory council, both at the joint ledge commission, a com committee meeting and at the advisory council. So um, I've sent, I think all of you in my report have received the details and we will vote on that um, on the 20th, both at the joint ledge and at the advisory council on where we go. So if you have any comments, please let us know. We will be, um, Commissioners Bittner and Lum have both um, graciously agreed and volunteered to help us um, keep track of any bills that are, would impact um, persons with disabilities or the vet or veterans, so if we, um, want to do advocacy or look into them further, we will have that kind of ahead of time. But you will, can, if this is approved, you will each, you will still get the monthly update of the reports of where the bills are. But we, our feeling was we were spending a lot of time reviewing the bills and we had no time to discuss advocacy and impact and We lose you, uh, President yeah, Lawrence. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Okay. A, a co-host unmuted me. Got it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I won't take it personally. Oh no, you're still here. <laughs> yeah. Are there any uh, questions or comments from uh, the commissioners? I, I, just on the legislative because I also served on the legislative committee and so I want to applaud the work that went into that very thoughtful um, refocus. I think it's great. Um, one, one thing about it that I, I think I've asked before and I just again want to clarify, when we want to advocate for legislation, we can all, are we also a part of the city's general legislative, like there's per, people in the mayor's office that are, their job is to monitor legislation and um, we, we collectively, we <laughs> serve on so many committees that touch on legislation that does that also uh, bolster sort of what, how we advocate for legislation. And then 
anything yes. that, okay, and then anything that this committee comes up with and wants to advocate for, can that become part of that city, citywide, staff-wide effort to advocate for legislation, just so that it's strengthened uh, by all of those resources. That, that's what I wanted, I wanted to make sure that was also part of this. Yes, yes it, yeah. yes, it is. And okay. What it actually will do is give us more time to meet those deadlines. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes when we, where we meet, we will also align what we are looking at um, in the bills we start tracking with C4A's priorities and the city's priorities. Right. So that there's more alignment to, to start with. But this will allow us, hey, we want to advocate in this area and the city's going that way, here's our letter, here's our information, so that there is one voice coming from the city and county. Great, I just wanted to make sure that was even part of this, just acknowledging it. So it's yeah. just, I just want to say it sounds terrific. So yeah. thanks for the work that went into that, yeah. Thank you so much. You're up. No problem, thank you. All right, if there's no, no more com questions from the commissioners. Commissioners, item nine is the case report presented by Fiona Hinzey. All right, commissioners, good morning. Um, again, my name is Fiona Hinzey. Uh, I'm the co-chair of case. You usually uh, hear from my co-chair, Dan Gallagher, who has a conflict this morning, which is why you're hearing from me. Um, and as always, <clears throat> your, our report was included in your docket, so you can uh, read more detail on any section that I cover. Uh, our mission statement is at the top, as always. We are a, um, a coalition of agencies um, who serve seniors and, and people with disabilities, and we advocate uh, for um, the interest of those uh, two com communities uh, in the city and with policy, and we also educate our members uh, with various informational presentations. To, to that end, um, our August um, informational presentation was uh, for the Alzheimer's Association. Um, they came to talk to us about um, the resources that they offer, um, particularly trainings that they have in um, Trainings that they have for providers to become um, really on all aspects of Alzheimer's and dementia and dementia-associated care. Um, you can um, check out all that they have to offer at alz.org, um, which is a very comprehensive website. And uh, to to the. Uh, uh, what's called a commissioner to President Lawrence's point earlier, um, they do have trainings available and resources in multiple languages. Uh, in September, we will have a presenter from the uh, Open House um, LGBTQ Center. Um, they will be going over an assessment with us. Um, trying to encourage um, LGBTQ seniors with disabilities to take uh, this assessment. So they reached out to us to come talk to us about that. So we're excited about that. And then in October, um, we will be um, hearing from 
uh, aging at home with growing older, and we will be hearing about their flagship program, um, Aging 360. Um, so that'll be an informational presentation that we are, again, um, excited about. And I will also note uh, here that we are starting to plan our holiday party, which is a gathering we have for uh, providers every December. Um, now to report on the Service Provider Working Group. Um, as you know, Commissioner's case is a uh, co-convener along with the Daily Fund Coalition of your Service Provider Work Group. Um, the mission, the uh, purpose of the Service Provider Work Group by charter is to advise uh, your um, the Oversight and Advisory Committee for the Dignity Fund um, on various matters pertaining to the Dignity Fund, including, including allocations, et cetera, we meet quarterly. Um, so we met in August uh, at the Dignity Fund Coalition meeting. Um, the purpose of the, the meeting was to uh, have providers have the chance to give feedback on uh, potential areas of spending uh, for uh, one-time-only funds. Um, um, one-time-only funds are like grant monies and money that comes to the department uh, one, uh, one time only, so infusions of money that the department gets that need to be spent uh, as soon as possible and are only going to come to the department one time. Um, so th uh, this was a chance for providers to give priorities on how to spend that money. Um, I will I will say before I start uh, the the list of of provide of priorities, which which is again in your packet. That in this presentation, we did not know how much OTO funds would be available, um, as that won't be known till uh, later this fall. Um, but we wanted to give feedback earlier, feedback early in the process, so that we could give feedback to the um, to the OAC early on in their deliberations. And a big thanks to your staff, Mike Zog, who attended the meeting on the department's behalf. Um, and so we really, um, I, the priorities that came up and were surfaced in the meeting were really priorities that providers have been expressing in some form, in some form or another for several years now. Uh, case management, digital divide, um, Communi uh, communication, hybrid programming, and, and connectivity, uh, language capacity, um, access to transportation, um, et cetera. And again, the full, the full list is in your packet, so I invite you to take a, a look um, through that. Um, so, and these uh, one-time funds uh, the way the department spends them is going to be critical this year um, because, again, as uh, President Lawrence mentioned, the Dignity Fund isn't getting its uh, did not get its three million dollar allocation 
for this past uh, fiscal year. And so um, th this is our, um, the OTO funds are really our only chance to make that up. And so the decisions the department makes are gonna be hard, but are gonna be a critical one how they, um, they said that, and I will just flag for you that that one other uh, issue that came up repeatedly and it comes up in all these conversations is behavioral health, and, and behavioral health is a complicated issue uh, that DOS is just trying to start to figure out how to weigh into. And so, how what role does the department have in tackling behavioral health issues? Because there's a lot of overlap with. Uh, other departments there. Um, so our next steps with this is we will um, compile um, feedback from this meeting um, and, and be presenting it to the OSC at their September September meeting, which is I believe in two weeks, September 18th, um, and we will um, be presenting this to them. Uh, for their deliberations um, and consideration. Uh, again, the info on OTO funds won't be presented to them at, the September, at their September meeting, so we will likely be presenting our information twice uh, um, for their, for their final consideration uh, when the plan for spending is presented to them later in this fall. Um, so, commissioners, that is my report. I'm available for any questions. Thank you, Ms. Hinzey. Are there comments or questions from the commission regarding the case report? I just have one, and this is directed to Executive Director Dearman. Um, the one-time only funds, What, given your first comment regarding the budget, um, what's the likelihood that there are gonna be one-time funds, or is that we're just we just or we just wait and see or that process so i'm gonna let um my deputy cindy kaufman <laughs> okay thank you thank you for the question commissioner cindy kaufman deputy director of community services and the one-time only funds are primarily funds that uh, have not been spent this year so if a con if there's funds in a contract and the um they they didn't fully get spent we didn't get them out the door fast enough they are one time only because it was for this year so that is why it will take until later on this fall once all the books are closed out um to take a look at those so every once in a while it will be other funding i think that some of the other funding that came through that you have seen are from CDA, and so those have gone into contract and, and they were identified as one time only going forward, but primarily what we're looking at for these are unspent funds. So is that the not to exceed delta? Is that, should I be thinking of it that way? Like, um, it's, like it is, <laughs> instead of not to exceed, what's happened is, let's say there's just, there's dollars that they have, that have not been spent okay. in that one year. Okay. And we, so we repurpose those dollars. Sometimes they go back into the program. Sometimes the program, whatever reason it may be, has no way of, of spending the funds. And so for us, what we get to do is we get to keep it in dignity fund and it can go back out. Got it. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. You're up, Robbie. Any more questions? 
Okay. Uh, can we move on? All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioners, item 10 is general public comment. An opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you very much. That concludes uh, the members of the public comment for commissioners. Commissioners, your next item is item 11, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you'd like to discuss. No, uh, no one online? Okay. Nope. Then we're good to go for item 12. Got it. Commissioners, the next agenda item is item 12, new business. Item A is informational only. only. Item 12B through 12D are action items that require a vote by the commission. The first item is item 12A, review of the DOS Department fiscal year 23-24 annual report, which is informational only. DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman will present this item. Thank you so much. Uh, hold on one um, second. Okay. Let's just bring up the um, the PowerPoint. Okay. Okay. This, okay. So we are pleased to present our fiscal year 2023-24 department annual report highlights. Next slide, please. Thank you. So we recently published our annual strategic report for this year. It outlines what we'll be working on this year in support of our overarching strategic goals and provides a look back at our major achievements from last year. This report is posted online on our reports page. Today I'll be talking about our annual report for fiscal year 2023-24. Next slide. Our work is structured by five main goals shared throughout SFHSA. Goal one, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Goal two, a strong workforce and collaboration. Goal three, employment and economic security. Goal four, health and well-being. Goal five, safety and care. In my presentation this year, I'm going to highlight one action from each of these goals. Next slide. Okay, thanks. You're way ahead of me. Okay. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're doing great. You're doing great. So goal one, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. So we broke ground in June 2023 on the Kelsey the affordable housing site where we will be co-locating the nation's first city-funded disability community cultural center. And it's right across the street from City Hall over on Van Ness and um, Grove. And I know we've been talking about it a lot, but it's actually happening. And if you drive by there, you can see it's being built. So we're in the final stages of procurement for a service provider to develop and begin implementation of the center and expect to bring a contract forward for approval by the DOS Commission in the next couple of months. Yay. Next slide. Goal two. We've got a lot happening over there. Okay. So goal two is the strong workforce and collaboration. Last year, DOS facilitated the first ever aging and disability affordable housing needs assessment, which culminated in 10 findings 
and nearly 50 recommendations for the city's lead agencies on issues of housing, disability, and aging to better meet the affordable housing needs of San Francisco's seniors and people with disabilities. Having concluded our facilitation of this process, DAS has moved into a supporting role that will continue over the next year, collaborating with the San Francisco Planning Department and other city department partners to plan and begin implementation of these recommendations. Additionally, we will soon be publishing an updated Aging and Disability Affordable Housing Overview Report, which summarizes information about the city's current and planned affordable housing stock. And this is really important because it keeps us at the table and a constant reminder um, of older adults, veterans, and people with disabilities and their need for housing. Goal three is employment and economic security. San Francisco, as you know, is facing an acute caregiving workforce shortage, including our in-home supportive services program. As such, DOS and our partners are committed to removing or reducing barriers to employment in the caregiving field wherever possible. We partnered with the IHSS Public Authority late last year to launch a pilot initiative addressing the shortage of IHSS independent providers, or IPs. We waived the live scan fingerprinting fee that prospective IPs incur when completing a mandatory federal background check as part of the application process to become an IHSS home care worker. The pilot will continue into the new fiscal year and our preliminary understanding of its impact is very promising. In a survey of 260 IHSS IP job applicants who received the fee waiver, over 85% of respondents agreed that free fingerprinting services made it easier for them to complete the provider enrollment process. Goal four, health and well-being. We've been working with the vendor over the last year to design and begin building a dynamic online resource directory that meets the needs of our populations. And I know we've talked about this at commission several times. The directory will allow users to develop tailored searches for DOS-funded services and other resources that are right for them based on factors like service type, location, language capacity, and cultural expertise. To supplement the public directory, we will also implement an integrated tool for DOS intake staff and select community-based providers to facilitate interagency service referral within our network. So think of a warm handoff. We are excited to begin user testing with department staff and community stakeholders in the coming months as we continue preparations for the 2024 release of this important resource. And finally, goal five, safety and care. Last year, APS implemented a statewide expansion in program, program eligibility and scope of services to include seniors age 60 to 64 and individuals experiencing homelessness. As we projected, this shift has resulted in an increase in APS caseloads. The program is receiving about 1,100 more reports of abuse annually. Even as APS continues to rise to the challenges posed by this increase, the program also remains focused on using data-informed practices and delivering equitable, high-quality services. 
We will continue work in this year to develop regular analysis of program data, including services and outcomes, to support high-level program strategy and individualized staff coaching to improve <coughs> services. So those are just some of the, just a highlight from each goal, but you will see from the report that um, we have a lot of things happening. And um, again, uh, it's really impressive the amount of work <laughs> that DOS does. Yes. Thank you, um, Director Dearman. Um, are, there other com are there comments from commissioners? First and foremost. Sure. Commissioner Lum. Good morning, Director. Um, Good morning. On, uh, on the goal three, you mentioned that the, uh, the waiving of the, uh, the fees has uh, enabled uh, uh, additional applicants to apply for the uh, for these uh, positions as health uh, uh, services providers, mm -hmm. are we waiving the fees only? But not, uh, and we're not waiving the process in which they have to be, they have to be screened, right? Exactly. We're only waiving the fees because the fees can range anywhere from, I think, like thirty-five to eighty dollars for the to get fingerprinted, and so if you do it at the public authority you are not charged, but you still have to be screened um, in order to go through the process okay. to become an Thank you. Yeah. Other questions? Want to go? Commissioner. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're each going to comment, so I'll, I'll go okay. ahead. Okay. Please. Um, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you so much for the wonderful news of having reached more people. <laughs> that was very clear, and thank you for making that so clear in this report, and it's a real accomplishment. So. I was just so glad to read that. Um, then I was also, because I know I'm really looking forward to this online database, and sometimes I understand what it does, and sometimes I don't quite. When, when it comes online, can we get a demonstration of it at the commission meeting? So I'm saying when it's ready, could, could we see how it works? Yes, uh, absolutely. Okay, because I yes. think that would be really. We're all, we all will be excited to see how it works. <laughs> yeah. And I'm ki kind of was a techie in my career, so I like looking at new yes. thing. You know, yeah. like that'll be really cool. And we will help become the advocates for it, so that's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, I, I think um, just then I just had little weird questions, so I didn't Go know what it. the acronym CalSAWS was, and I don't mean to put anything oh, on the spot. Yeah, and I wrote I that in my notes, and I guess for some reason that was... I couldn't understand something because I didn't know what that right. meant when I was reading it. So it's just a small point, and I love how Cindy ran away. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> not, it's no big deal. I just noticed in my notes, and maybe it was yeah, I don't know what the acronym. Th then let's mean. not worry about it. And it would only be a note, like if there's a re revision or some at some point. Yeah, I will get back to you on that, that. That's fine. There's a lot to talk about calsas too. Yeah, it's like I couldn't. Oh look, no one knows. Uh, of course, knows the TV mind. can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, commissioners, uh, other people who are with the planning unit. Um, CalSAW stands for the California Statewide Automated Welfare System. Okay. So. Then, then I would have, uh, thank you. Yes. And then I, I don't know that that elucidates anything at all. Right? Okay. Um, <laughs> this is good. That's very helpful. That's this is the acronym good. And, and then I understood, I would have understood, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I would have kind of understood better what that was. But okay. Sorry. Um, I don't think there was anything else. Uh, that was it. I'll, okay. I'll turn it over to Commissioner John. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Executive Director Dearman, I um, 
always look forward to this annual report. Uh, it provides um, a wonderful summary of how hard uh, you, under your vision, your leadership, and your staff with their commitment and compassion have done work in this last year, and indeed, a lot to be proud of. So thank you, uh, accommodations, and great compliments. So thank you. Thank you. Um, as far as um, questions, um, just, well, first, um, in terms of uh, work accomplished, what I did really quickly, I took a look at the highlights, the 2022-23 uh, highlights by the numbers. Yes. And I noticed that in every area that's noted here, mm -hmm. um, that all the numbers have increased from last fiscal year. So indeed, not only have the been a lot of services, uh, improvements, but also just the number, the volume uh, of what has been done in all the various areas. So yeah. great work. Yeah, I think um, um, it speaks to the need, but it also speaks to, you know, last, was it just last year when we did the community needs assessment? We heard over and over again um, about outreach and reaching people and um, I think uh, our staff has spent an inordinate amount of time trying to figure out how do we reach the hard to reach. And we haven't figured it out all the way, but we're, but working, we're, on we're working on it. It's obvious, yeah. yeah. It's obvious based on the results. Um, I just, I also had that CalSol question, but okay. that's been answered. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I just have two other minor question mm -hmm. uh, under goal one mm -hmm. um, strategy to invest uh, the third is scope and beginning implementing and reframing disability initiative in partnership can you talk a little bit more about that yes so um, so you all might remember that uh, a few years ago so it was pre-pandemic so I have no I can't you know time has no meaning um, we did a uh, reframing aging campaign okay and uh, which we found to be really successful and really got people talking about you know aging what it looks like how not to be an ageist and all of those things right um, and so that the goal is to do a uh, something similar um, a reframing disability uh, campaign uh, we're working with the uh, Community Alliance for Disability Advocates CADA um, trying to figure out what, you know, it doesn't have to be the same thing that we did with reframing aging, but w what do we want to do? What's going to have the most impact and when should we do it? So um, the goal this year is to actually have a, a real plan. We had hoped to do it right after we did the reframing aging, but then COVID hit, then recovery, and now, so here we are now, and this year we're really focused on it. Great. Okay, that sounds great. Um, the other question I had is under goal four, health and well-being. Want to speak into the mic? Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Next question is under goal four, health and well-being, and this would be uh, number four under the uh, third strategy. Um, this is where it states collaborate with the uh, Bay Area Social Services Consortium and its stakeholders to develop a work plan and begin implementation of a regional strategic plan to strengthen aging and adult services. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, and actually Jill Nielsen, who's uh, our deputy director, um, 
can speak much better to Great. this issue. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for the question, Commissioner. Um, Jill Nielsen, Deputy Director of Programs. So over the past several years, um, we've had a regional adult services committee that has been um, getting together um, with the support of the Bay Area Social Services Consortium. And this is an organization that's housed within the UC Berkeley School of Social Welfare. And it, um, the focus of our meeting is really to bring uh, local universities and local adult services departments together so that we can work on uh, mutual goals. Um, and so we're primarily focused on workforce issues. Um, but with the help of UC Berkeley and a researcher, we actually um, were able to develop a strategic plan uh, similar to today's action plan that we were reviewing, but it's for our region. Um, and much of the, um, the strategic plan focuses on capacity building um, at the local county level, and then also trying to address workforce shortages in particular, um, trying to develop a, a really robust pipeline of MSWs um, to, to work, and other social work classifications to, to work within our programs. Um, I'm actually presenting on this strategic plan at the County Welfare Directors Association at the annual conference next month. Um, I'd be happy to um, send the report to Ravi if you'd like to see it. Um, it's a very high-level report. Um, I don't think that there's anything in the report that you probably don't already know. Um, and one thing I can say is that we do have best practices across um, the, the region, and several of our best practice models that we have implemented here in San Francisco are highlighted in the report. One of our goals is to make sure that we are replicating and scaling those best practices across the region. And we also do have a particular focus on smaller counties. Um, there are, you know, the, the, the distribution of resources across our region is, is not equitable. Um, and we have, uh, you know, uh, we have a lot of resources here in San Francisco that other counties do not have. So the strategic report is also an opportunity to really hi highlight um, and showcase what's happening in, in some counties. Um, hopefully to the benefit of policymakers, maybe boards of supervisors, um, to be able to see like, oh, they're doing that in San Francisco, perhaps we could replicate and, um, and uh, implement a program like that here in their county. So, so thanks again for the question. And, and if you'd like, I could send the report to Ravi so he could distribute it to you all. I would love to get a copy of the report, and it sounds really exciting. Some great work being done. Yeah. Great it, partnership. It is. It's yeah. really, it's great to work with the universities as well. So thank Just you. Just one quick follow-on. What's the definition of the region? Good question. So we have 13 Bay Area counties, okay. and they, it goes up to Sonoma, Napa, um, and then it goes all the way down to Santa Cruz and okay. Monterey. We used to have San Benito, wow. um, very small county, um, where they don't even have an adult services manager, um, and then San Benito moved to a different region. Okay. So. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Hurry up with the plan so I can stand in line. I'm sorry? I said hurry up with the plan so I can stand in line. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Commissioner Jung, any additional questions? That's it. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Any more questions from commissioners? 
Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on the review of the DOS Department's FY 2023-24 annual report? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on the review of the DOS Department's FY 2023-24 annual report. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you very much. And that concludes yep. this item. Yep. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we will close public comment and open it back up for me to say one more thing. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say uh, my commissioner colleagues uh, did a wonderful job thanking the department for all the work that's been done. And it is absolutely true that the outreach efforts are working and, they, and please continue those. And we really appreciate the work that's being done. Thank you. Okay. This is me. The Department of Disability and Aging Service requests authority to approve a sole source waiver and grant agreement with the Child and Family Policy Institute of California for implementation support services to assist in the translation of APS state policy practices for the period of July 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2026 in the amount of $1,333,677 uh, million plus a small contingency for the total amount not to exceed $1.4 million. And Jill Nielsen will present this item. Hello again, uh, Director Dearman, President Spears, Commissioners, Jill Nielsen, Deputy Director of Programs. Um, the contract that you have in front of you for consideration, and ultimately I'll be asking for your approval to enter into this contract, it's a bit unusual for us, and that's for two reasons. Um, the first is that this contract would establish statewide services, um, as opposed to services that are specifically earmarked for San Francisco. And then the second reason is that the funding to support this new contract is, is, not, fun, is not San Francisco's funding. Um, this is actually funding that belongs to all 58 counties in California. Um, it's funding that is currently um, allocated within what is known as the 2011 Realignment Special Contract Fund, also commonly known as the 59th County Fund. Um, and so a little bit of um, history on this fund. And, and today, I, really, I'm here. San Francisco, the Human Services Agency, we are the fiscal agent um, managing these funds. Um, you may remember that back in 2011, um, there were a series of bills that were passed, and they all um, were commonly called the 2011 Realignment Package. And essentially what that did is it moved programmatic and fiscal responsibility from the state back to the counties for um, a myriad of programs. Um, and notably for the Human Services Agency, child welfare and related programs like foster care assistance, adoption assistance, um, and also adult protective services um, funding and programmatic res responsibilities were realigned back to the counties. And those funds are um, housed within the protective services subaccount. Um, and then within that subaccount is where we have um, each county has their own fund. And then there is also this 59th county fund. That's a bit of the fiscal architecture of the 2011 realignment. Um, and the purpose of the fund is actually to reimburse 
the state to reimburse the California Department of Social Services. And that's because they hold and administer several statewide contracts um, that benefit the child welfare system. Um, and today, we're a brand new contract that hopefully we will enter into to provide some support services for adult protective services and more broadly speaking, adult services departments across the state. And all of this is um, set up in the, um, the statutory authority is set up in the California government code. And the code requires that one county serve as the fiscal agent. Um, who in that county is responsible for administering and monitoring and managing those funds. Santa Clara County was the first um, ad administrator of the 59th County funds. Uh, they did that until 2015 when they said, hey, we'd like someone else to take this over. Um, and the San Francisco Human Services Agency has been um, in managing the 59th County funds ever since. The Human Services Commission, your sister commission, um, annually approves an agreement between the California Department of Social Services um, to set up this 59th county arrangement to establish the responsibilities that our agency has. So there, um, so the Human Services Commission is probably a bit uh, more informed. I believe it's the first time that we're bringing a contract um, that is accessing the 59th county funds to the DOS Commission. The Human Services Agency doesn't reserve any compensation for our role, and really our responsibility is pretty straightforward. We process invoices that we receive from the California Department of Social Services, um, and we also respond to their directives. Um, and today, I'm here because we were directed by the Department of Social Services to establish a sole source contract with the, Cal um, with the Child Family Policy Institute of California. They have authorized us to access the uh, 59th County Realignment Funds. Um, and these decisions were made in collaboration with the County Welfare Directors Association. The County Welfare Directors Association represents the interests of the counties. So the funds specifically will be used to provide implementation support services to adult and aging departments across the state. Um, there will be a particular focus on capacity building within adult protective services programs. Um, and really the, the focus for the contract is to assist counties in the translation of state policy into feasible county practices. Uh, the Child Family Policy Institute of California was created in 2004, um, and they serve as the implementation arm of the County Welfare Directors Association. This relationship with the County Welfare Directors Association um, has helped to place the Child Family Policy Institute of California into a unique role that's not shared by other organizations, and that's really what has necessitated the sole source contract. The CFPIC, Child Family Policy Institute of California, they understand the challenges that county social services agencies play. They're well positioned to assist counties through this new contract. And just a, um, a few highlights of the activities that they're proposing to carry out. Um, one is developing and implementing a leadership coaching program for adult services deputy directors. Um, like myself, um, they'll be assessing different ways that counties are delivering adult services and, and specifically adult protective services in order to identify best practices um, and to develop and deliver strategies for sharing, replicating, and scaling these practices. 
They'll be collaborating with adult services departments across the state, as well as CDSS, Department of Social Services, and the County Welfare Directors Association to identify implementation strategies to improve county adult services. Um, they'll also be monitoring policy and initiatives that develop from the state's uh, master plan for aging to support um, counties as they work to implement um, these initiatives. And they also notably will be meeting with funders, um, in, including foundations that specialize in adult services to um, seek out new funding opportunities to support county um, adult services programs. Any funds that are not expended through this contract um, during the fiscal years leading up to 25-26 will revert back to the 59th County Fund. So it's really a wonderful opportunity for adult services departments across the state uh, to receive new focused support, um, help implementing best practices, and really to enhance organizational capacity within adult services departments. So um, I'm happy to um, answer any questions that you might have, but on behalf of the Department of Social Services, I'd like to request your authorization to enter into this sole source contract. Thank you very much for that complicated explanation of the 59th <laughs> County, which I'm going to now have in my head. Um, <laughs> commissioners, are there any uh, questions or comments um, for uh, this particular item? Just maybe just one, because sure. it's so interesting. So yeah, it is. <laughs> yes, I agree. So I I understand we're just kind of stepping up and doing a, a good thing, kind of kind of thing. But do we also benefit by being um, the, this playing this role that Santa Clara used to in terms of are you at the t quote at the table a little bit more? Would you not not you in particular, but whoever is involved in this? Do you, you know, it's broadly, a, do we benefit from this? Yeah, role, that's the benefit. The best way. <laughs> it's it's a good question. Um, I think if you ask our fiscal director Joe Wong, uh, he would say no. You know, it's it's purely an administrative process from his perspective. Um, like all of you, this 59th county was new to me. I I actually learned about this just a couple months ago. Um, and so I, there's, there is, there are funds in the account. Um, there's about $29 million um, that has not been um, budgeted for the upcoming fiscal year. So um, the new knowledge that I now have around the 59th County will better position me at state meetings um, to be able to ask questions and, and potentially for San Francisco in collaboration with our partners to be proposing new ideas, um, ways that we could be benefiting um, adult services departments across the state. Mm -hmm. um, really, uh, San Francisco aside, when you look at across the state, especially the, the smaller rural counties that I was referring to before, their adult services departments are itty bitty. They're just, um, you may have one manager who is carrying cases, they may be overseeing APS, IHSS, Public Guardian Conservator, the public authority, probably in-house, veterans, wow. um, maybe the AAA. Um, and they, on the, in smaller counties, you find that the child welfare programs are more robust because there's always been greater funding earmarked for those services, and there's always been greater mandates um, and more attention at the, the 
uh, local level as well. So um, I'm excited about possible opportunities in particular to really try to raise the, you know, the capacity building for, for counties that really need it. Um, we have been talking the regional plan that I was just speaking about before. Um, the Child Family Policy Institute of California is um, thinking that they w can help counties to, uh, that they can help the Bay Area to operationalize our plan, that they can do a lot of the coordination, administration, some of the heavy lifting, and that they then want to do that across the state as well. So back to your question, um, I don't know if there, there really isn't a direct benefit to San Francisco. We do have more staffing resources, so it's easier for us to absorb the responsibilities, um, but it definitely has me thinking. Okay. About new ideas. That's kind of what I thought, <laughs> and so thank you for validating that. Yeah, thanks for the question. Like that. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Sure, Commissioner Lund. I'm just going to follow up on, on the same line of uh, thought. Uh, as, uh, as a uh, San Franciscan, I'm looking at, at the fact that we are now providing uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the effort and the uh, manpower to organize and, and to manage this program, which is huge. Should we not be asking the, st the state to fund the position that is, you know, that's being asked of us to organize this effort? Should we be asking, so you just want to make sure I'm, uh, I'm understanding your question. Um, should we be asking the state to fund through the 59th County, um, for example, one, uh, full-time equivalent position to manage to the contracting process. Um, and thank you to my colleagues in contracts for, for helping to develop this contract to de and for the administrative piece. Correct. Uh, since San Francisco has taken on that responsibility, should we okay. not be reimbursed for that? It's a good question. And I, I'm not sure that the government code would allow us to do that. Um, but I can certainly um, explore, you know, whether that's even a, a possibility, and so I, whether we would um, move to do that, I think is a is a, a broader question that may be a question for, you know, Director Deerman and uh, Director Rohr. Um, but um, it, it is an interesting question that I'm, I'm happy to look into what the authorities provide and, and follow up. Thank you. Yeah, I think as a fiscal sponsor, when you say those words, me coming from the nonprofit sector, uh, there's usually some form of compensation for being a fiscal sponsor if it is it, even from an administrative perspective. Um, forget about the innovation that might come from it, but from an administrative perspective. Yeah. Total it's, a, it's, it's a very interesting <laughs> idea, especially as we move into what Director Dearman was referring to, you know, as the, the bleak budget times ahead. It may behoove us to start thinking through. Yeah. Be creative. Yes. We like creativity. Um, I think you're up, Robbie. There are no more questions from the commission, so to public comment. I don't see any more. Uh, are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 12B? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 12B. We'll hold for a few seconds to see if there's any callers in the queue. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Hearing no further requests to speak on this item, we will close public comment. Is there a motion uh, to approve uh, item 12B? I'll move. In a second. So we have a uh, uh, first and a second. Um, 
Mr. Secretary, please take a roll call vote to approve item B. President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Thanks. We have a unanimous vote. Awesome. Thank you so very you. much. And uh, President Spears, when we go to next, you could say that it's item 12C. Oh. Item 12C, new business. Requesting authorization to modify the existing contract with Merced Res Residential Care for the provision of emergency bed placement for the period of September 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2025 in the additional amount of $280,000 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $825,426. Ben Cicedo, did I get that close? Please tell me how to do it. Seis dedos. Seis dedos. We'll present this item. Thank you so much. Dear commissioners, Director Dearman, the Department of Disability and Aging Services requests authorization to modify the existing contract with Merced Residential Care as stated um, for the period of September 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2025. Uh, the purpose of this modification is to increase the contract amount to ensure four emergency beds available for the remainder of the contract term. Our Adult Protective Services Program identified a need for a care facility that can provide individuals' needs uh, and emergency placement services for APS clients who are experiencing abuse, neglect, exploitation, or self-neglect and are in need of either temporary or interim basis uh, support. Merced has been providing this access to a safe respite bed, meals, and supportive personal care services on a 24-hour basis for APS since fiscal year 17-18. This contract was initially generated in uh, fiscal year uh, 21 with a total of two beds available at all times. During the initial federal response to the COVID-19 pandemic, Federal COVID relief funds were applied to ensure one additional bed uh, was made available for APS clients that were displaced as a result of COVID-19 issues, such as coming out of a shelter-in-place hotel site. At this time, the COVID-related funding has been depleted, and this modification now secures the beds our clients have needed through the end of the current contract by using both local funds and now applying federal funds from the American Rescue Plan Act, or ARPA. Thank you. Commissioners, if you wish to comment on this item, please um, let me know. Are there any comments? How about online? Ravi? Ravi? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item 12C? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on item 12C. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Hearing no further requests to speak on this item, we will close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item 12C? So moved. I'll second. And a second. We have a motion, a first and a second. Mr. Secretary, please take a roll call vote for, to approve item C. President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? 
And Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Thanks. We have a unanimous vote. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Item 12D is new business. Requesting authority to modify an existing grant agreement with Toolworks Inc. for the provision of Aging and Disability Resource Center program for the period of September 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024, in an additional amount of $40,000 plus a 10% contingency for the revised total amount not to exceed $312,234. Sarah Hofferberg will present this item. Thank you. Good morning, President Spears, Commissioners, and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Sarah Hofferberg, and I'm a Program Analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships at the Department of Disability and Aging Services. I am seeking your approval today to modify the existing grant agreement with the Toolworks Aging and Disability Resource Center, or ADRC, program. ADRCs administer information, referral, assistance, and translation services at locations throughout San Francisco, providing crucial support for many older adults, adults with disabilities, veterans, and caregivers in the community. ADRC services are structured to ensure availability and accessibility throughout San Francisco with at least one ADRC in each of the supervisory districts, thereby providing services in the community where the client lives. Toolworks ADRC is one of two citywide ADRCs specializing in providing services to adults with disabilities. It is an integral part of the ADRC network. The funding in this budget modification will support salary increases and operational expenses in the form of rent. There are no changes to the service deliverables in the scope of service. Monitoring for fiscal year 22-23 was conducted in June 2023. Toolworks ADRC was found to be in compliance, meeting or exceeding all contracted deliverables. The Office of Community Partnerships requests your approval for this budget modification. Thank you for your consideration, and I will do my best to answer any questions the Commission may have. Are there any comments or questions regarding this item? I have a question. Sure, have, please. Uh, Commissioner Jung. Um, just a clarification. Uh, I know it's just a three-year contract and we're running into the last nine months. Um, and in terms of putting in a, the requests originally for, for the work, a certain amount was, was requested for. So uh, why is there now a need to uh, request for additional $40,000 to cover ongoing expenses? Sure. That's a great question. Um, and there, I think there are a couple of answers to that. The first is around staffing salaries. Um, as I mentioned in my presentation, Toolworks is one of two citywide ADRCs. They provide services specifically um, for adults with disabilities. They're really vital to that network. And they do incredible work, but they've really had a difficult time keeping staffing. Um, and a lot of that has to do with salaries, you know, just staffing shortages in the city and things like that. And so um, they've run into it in the last like year where they ended up paying outside using other funds to cover salaries while trying to fill positions where like a higher paid position was maybe covering and stuff like that. Um, and the other part of that is just around operational expenses. They've never had any item in the budget or any request for operational expenses, but they're in a situation where at their facility, the majority of services that they provide are still 
not quite 100% in person. A lot of them are virtual because of the community that they serve and vulnerabilities that exist from um, COVID. And so the ADRC is 100% in person 100% of the time. And so it's just helping to kind of supplement their rent. It's only 7% of the total Toolworks rent, but it's just to assist. Um, and so that's like the specific timing of it. Okay, great, thank you. Mm -hmm. Any more comments from the commissioners? Mr. Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on item 12D? Is there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 12D? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 12D. We'll give you some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers, thank you. And that concludes co public comment. Hearing no further requests to speak on this item, we will close public comment. Is there a motion? I move. Is there a second? I second. We have a first and a second. Mr. Secretary, please take a roll call vote for item 12D. President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. President, Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. And Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Thanks. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, item 13, our announcements. Are there any announcements from the commission? Or the executive director, any announcements? All righty. Uh, and item 14 says that we get to adjourn. I adjourn the meeting. Thank you. Hey. Congratulations. Great job. <laughs>